0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. You can be seated. You can uh you can hug somebody, shake the hand if you want to. We are a church of love. We're a family church. Amen. Uh before I go on, did anybody not get a hug tonight? Did If you didn't get a hug tonight, you need a hug. Raise your hand. We have lots of huggers in the church. All right. Hey, Jesse didn't get one. Dave didn't get one. Some, somebody, uh, Nick. Okay, man, give these guys a hug. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I will tell you, we're not we're not quite as scriptural as Paul was in the epistles. epistles I mean. Sometimes Paul said, greet one another for a holy kiss. Well, we don't want to do the holy kissing too much unless it's your mom, you know, or your child or something like that. But we are, we are a family of love. And, uh, that, that verse that I just gave, gave them, I don't know if it's on the screen or not when I gave it, but anyway, Acts 2024, last year when I went through things, I looked at that verse all the time. You know, last year I was kind of had a death sentence on me. Came through it. And I confess that all the time, I said, "Lord, Acts twenty twenty four, I'm with Paul, that I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm not going to be moved by how I feel. Lord, I'm going to finish my course. That's my life with joy." And then Paul said, "And the ministry. There's a difference between my ministry and my life. My Christian life is what every Christian is supposed to be living, living for Christ. Christian life. But then I got a calling on my life. That's my ministry." And I dare say that all oh, of you have something you're called to do too besides just live. Amen. You're called to do something for Jesus too, so find out what it is. Live for Christ every day because, number one, if you don't, you're not qualified to finish. you got to qualify. Live for Him every day. And then whatever He has you to do, teach yourself to laugh much. Amen. It's not just an emotional thing. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. And oh, bunny Trill's good I guess I want to get to where I want to go to my lesson but this is something that people need to hear Galatians 5.22 says through the spirit is love the number one sign to the unbelievers that you've changed and you're a Christian is the love you love people doesn't mean you like everything people do especially if they're mean to you don't mean you like the mean they're doing but you can smile at them Amen. You can smile at them, don't have to go home with them, (laughs) don't have to hang out with them, but you can love, turn the other cheek, walk the other way, and you don't retaliate evil for evil. But then it says after that, it's joy. And I know that in my life, over the course of the years, I've had myself trained for many, many years that if a crisis hits, I go, I go, I go into automatic mode and I just start laughing. When I was a sinner, I cussed, because sinners cuss. Christians don't cuss, at least they're not supposed to. I just start laughing because that's the fruit of the Spirit that's in me. And then what comes after love and joy? Well, if you know the Word of God, the next thing happens is peace. Love, joy, and peace. If you don't love and you don't know how to laugh, you're never really going to have peace. Happiness is an emotion based upon outward circumstances. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit based upon what's inside of you. And if you know what's inside of you, use 1 John 4, 4. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. You can laugh. Amen. In Psalms 37, the Word of God says that God sits in the heavens and He laughs because He knows the devil's day's coming. Amen. You know, the devil has had a temporary rain on this earth but that's getting ready to come to an end and that eternity is forever and the ones that belong to Jesus serve Jesus, stick with Jesus it's forever and ever and ever and ever and the short few thousand years Satan had to wreak havoc upon the earth they're coming to an end as as he sits in the heavens laughs and so you might as well learn to laugh laugh at yourself but you do dumb things It just purpose, I'm not going to do that again Laugh at the devil when he tries his best shot. You know, uh, Pastor John Olsteen used to say that the devil can try his best, but his best is never enough. Last year, in my life, he tried cancer. That wasn't enough. So he tried heart attack. That wasn't enough. His best was never enough. And so in your lives, whatever's coming against you now... Acts twenty twenty four. Don't get moved by temporary discomforts. Don't get moved by temporary things that aren't what you want it to be. You know, I gave somebody this morning. Scripture Galatians six nine says, "Be not weary in well doing." In other words, don't faint. Don't give up in doing right because in due season you reap if you faint not. And God is not a liar. Truth is forever. At a verse that Pastor David didn't put out there this morning. John 17, 17, Jesus said, your word is truth. God's word is the truth. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said, Satan's a liar and the father of lies. So whatever the devil's trying to tell you, just the opposite is true. devil's trying to tell you that he's going to kill you. You might have said, no, the truth is, with long life, well, God satisfied me and show me a salvation? He can't kill me because I'm living long because God said so. Just the opposite is true. If the devil's trying to tell you, you're going to go broke, never have anything good, you say, no, no, no. Third John 2 is the truth that says, above all things, God wants me to prosper and be in health. Even my soul prospers. So I'm going to make sure I take care of my soul and God's going to take care of the money. Hey, man, I can go preach it for a while. couldn't I, man? You kind of of, get in the flow and get going there. But what I want to say is, whatever's going on in your life, to quote Joyce Myers, if you don't quit, the devil has to. Because James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's called quitting. And you know, I think about Dick and the wrestling team. Man, I remember back in those days, I was on that wrestling team. Man, there come a point in time, some of those bruises would kind hold on to me. I, I, let's be honest, I wasn't the tough guy that will, want, whipped everybody else. I was using a little little skinny runt that got on the mat there. And yeah, man, when they put the thing on there, it wasn't Uncle, man. You had to hit the mat. That meant, quit, quit. Well, with the pressures on, the devil, in the name of Jesus, he has to quit. That means he flees from you. And so, whatever is God in your life right now, quit talking about what the devil's doing. Start talking how great Jesus is, and what the devil has to quit doing because Jesus is greater. Amen. Amen. So I know that was for somebody in here because I I, I kind of got, uh, you know, I just kind of back. Back, well, here even in California, if it rains, some of these desert roads gets ruts in them. And you got to watch out if your tire gets in one of those things, because if it is, you have to ride the rut till you get back out of it. And it seems like I just hit a rut right there, but <laughs> I had to stay with it till we got out of it. But anyway, God's talking to you tonight. He wants you to know that you're born again to win. You're born again to win. You're not who you used to be. But praise God, at the same time, you're not all you're going to be yet. As long as you stay in, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we are changed from glory to glory. Hebrews 13 says Jesus Christ never changes, but we change from glory to glory. That means from one level of spirituality to another. And so for us in our Christian lives, you know, I just think about my kids. When they were growing up back in Indiana, we had a little place right beside our basement door. Anybody know what a basement is? Some people see them. I never I never saw a house. Didn't have one until I came to California. And I've only seen one since I've been in California. But anyway, right beside our basement door from the time uh, Pastor Dave, Josh, all my kids were little. I don't, I don't know how we got this thing started, but they were a little this tall. We'd have them back up against the door. They had all their names, Josh, David, Annie, Joe. And every year, we put a little mark right there. It's amazing. In just two or three short years, you see little Davy's marks right here. And all of a sudden, Davy's marks up here. And I think, wow, the David, he, he wants to grow. And so he's growing because he wanted to play basketball, but then you see Joe, Addie, the rest of them, they grow like that. Well, if, if you could see a spiritual mark in your life, if you're a Christian that reads your Bible consistently, prays consistently, comes to church consistently, does what God tells you to do consistently. You might not think you're growing, but God sees the mark. You were here to where every time something happened, you started off with, you went to Facebook. And you wanted a thousand likes. Then you got, then you come to the place and wait a minute. Boy, that pastor, where I go to church at, man, he's made so much fun of that. I'm not doing that anymore. So then you went to Facebook. And then you said, message me, hon. He said, wait a minute, that messes me, how not getting the job done either. And so he said, you know what? I've heard the pastor teach on prayer. I'm going to ask somebody to pray for me. I'm going to go from Facebook to prayer. And then he started getting praying. And then after that, you decided, well, wait a minute. You know what? If they can pray and get answers in the name of Jesus, I can pray and get answers. I'm just, I don't need them to pray for me necessarily right now, but I'm going to pray myself in the name of Jesus. You know what just happened? Your mark on the wall went from right here to right here. You grew. And then you went from that where somebody else told you about a problem. You said, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. You just grew a little taller. And so you're growing all the time. You know, you may not recognize that, but there was a day you didn't even want to pray for yourself. Now you're praying for others. You're growing spiritually. Amen. Give yourself a hand and praise Jesus. Amen. That, that, that was all for free. We're going to talk tonight about how to spend quality time with Jesus. We're not just talking about how to whine and cry to Jesus. We're talking about how to fellowship with Jesus. How to have a good time with Jesus. And I want to show you a couple books. Uh, who knows Romans ten seventeen? Leanne, give me a Romans 10, 17. No, 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 don't look. Don't count. You lost. Who can quote Romans 10, 17? Uh, let me go for the young lady back there. Sorry, Katie. i got, I got a youth back here. Okay, Ray Liotta, Romans ten seventeen loud I can't hear you hey, Jose's got something for you there okay uh faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God yeah, no. faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. if you want your faith to increase, you hear the word the word more uh. One word from God can change your relationships. You. Amen. She won the prize because she got she got the verse. Amen. That's Brother Copeland book. We still have some in the bookstore. One word from God can change your relationships. One word from God, you know what that is? When the word of God that you're reading jumps off the page, it jumps into your heart. where well, you know that's God talking to me. That's John six sixty three, by the way. Jesus said, The words that I speak in you, they are spirit. And they are life. But the key to John six sixty three, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you. That means the word becomes alive to you. You're the word of God. And he says, by his stripes, you were healed. And all of a sudden, in your heart, that just said, whoa, I'm healed. Jesus said, I'm healed because the Bible says it. You read Malachi chapter three. As the God says, I rebuke the devourer for your sake. Well, that word jumps off the page into your heart. You say, I'm a tither. (laughs) The devil has to quit because God rebuked him for me because I'm a tither. See, Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, the whole Bible's word of God speaking to everybody. But there's some words that are personally speaking to you. That's when they come alive and jump into your heart. That's God talking to you personally. Amen. Amen. And then here's another good one. Faith Food, Daily Devotions for Spraying by Brother Hagin. Daily Devotions for Spring by Brother Hagen. Hey, Amen. I don't have any more verses to give, or I'd give this book away now, because we're sowing seed for the bookstore to see things happen. But I don't does anybody have a, a verse that we need to hear you can quote and I'll give you the book. Joel. You gotta talk loud. What's your verse? Second Timothy one seven. What does it say? My grandson just said, 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has given us the spirit of fear, the power, and a love, and a sound mind. There's your book. Read Brother Hagin's stuff every day. Melinda, that's called Pastor Giveaways, if we haven't told you that yet. Pastor Giveaways. Take those off the inventory. All right, now we're ready for some quality time with Jesus. I want, I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. Man, sound like he just lost the arrow of that balloon. Luke chapter 10, yeah. verse 38 to 42. I'm going to read these, and then i going to make a few comments on it. But I believe this is really going to help you. And I, that's what, as a pastor over the years, a lot of times Christians, new Christians, and even older Christians that have started really getting on fire for Jesus and excited, they want to know what to do to get closer to Jesus. They want to know that they're hearing Jesus talk through their hearts. Want to know how to pray better. How to resist temptations to sin. resist temptations of the flesh. And just how to be a better Christian. Want to know that a lot of times. And so I want to teach you what has helped me for 39 years. Almost 40 years old. Next year I get to hit the big 4-0. Praise God. That's... I mean, I'm looking forward to being 40 years as a Christian. Amen. And so anyway, uh, in verse 38, <clears throat> says, Now it came to pass as they went, he entered to a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about much serving and came to him and said, "Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me." And Jesus answered, said to her, "Martha, Martha, thou art careful—that means worried and troubled, full of anxiety about many things. That's too many Christians are worried and full of anxiety about too many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the good part." Well, should all be taken away from her. And I want you to notice verse 39 says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And so we're going to go through this now and look at some things here. It says just a real simple, to me, uh, when I went to Bible school, I took a class called Practical Christian Living. Practical Christian Living. And there's so a Christian life in line with the Bible can be real. It can be useful. It could apply to the 21st century we live at now, and I think about uh, something I heard Pastor Hagen say. Almost pro- when I was a pretty young Christian, not talking about Brother Hagen, not about Pastor Hagen. I heard him say one night. He's, he's, he said somebody said, "Well, Pastor." He said, "He said your teachings are so down to earth," and he said, "He said that well, that's where our people live. They live on earth." You know, some people are so deep that teach so many things that are so It dazzles people with all the Hebrew stuff and all the Greek stuff. This really means that and the historical stuff and all that. And they're sitting there thinking, man, I wish I had enough gas money to get home. I got to go to work this week. They want to hear something about how to get gas in the car. Or they're thinking about, I got this person in my family. They're so sick and want to help them. Or they're having their marriage problems and things like that. And the whole thing is we as pastors have responsibility to God and his people to teach you practical things. That's going to help you to apply that when you walk out the door that you're going to know what to do. I came in there tonight, and when I left, I'm glad I came because I got my answer. Amen. So that's what we're talking about here. And so the one thing was needful, of course, was to hear the Word of God. But verse 38, I want you to notice something here. It says, It came to pass and went a certain village. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And my center called that one does say that he welcomed him. She welcomed him into the house. Now, how many know the Bible says that our bodies are the temple, <coughs> excuse me, the temple are the house of God. Individually, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. And corporately, when we come in together, this is a house of the Holy Ghost here because we're in here. And we get a corporate anointing because all these different vessels that carry the Holy Spirit are here. But you, yourself, the Bible says... Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. So, how many of you make your house a welcome place that Jesus wants to hang out? Hey, Amen. You know, I just, I know that, uh, you know, I don't know if we got tobacco chewers in here or not, but I know I've known a lot of nice people back in Indiana, especially these farm guys, man, they all chew a lot of tobacco, and I didn't feel, I didn't like hanging around, see all that ugly stuff dripping out of their mouth. I mean, you know, a lot of nice people, a lot of Christians do stuff like that, man. They, 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 they do things and just, you get the creeps being around some of them, nice people like that. But how many, how many Christians do creepy things? That they're really Christians, are going to go to heaven. You know, they're not bad sinners, but they're just kind of creepy things. Well, that doesn't make it too welcome for Jesus to want to hang around. I mean, he's going to be there because he'd never leave you nor forsake you. But I, I want to do. But the Bible says, I want to do my best to live a clean life. I want to do my best that if I do do wrong, I want to do what the Bible says. I want to quickly confess that to Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I should have done that. I fell for that. And you know, one thing I've learned over the years, that nighttime when I've had a long day is not a good time to set myself up for temptation. Because at nighttime, my guard goes down. And so things that I know that are apt to cause problems, I try to avoid. You know, I know as much as I love my beautiful wife, and she is a beautiful wife. Let's give a hand for Mrs. Pastor. I know that I've got to bring my guard up extra strong at nighttime because the old man tries to rise up when I'm tired. It might pop off things. Or might handle things wrong, etc. So I've got to have an extra guard up at nighttime. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, you honor your wife. As the weaker vessel, heirs together, heirs together, heirs together of the grace of life. God has a grace to live by. He calls it the grace of life. That's that extra grace God gives you to make it through hard places, to make it through every day, to live the grace of life. It's that he says in 1 Peter 3, 7, the last part, that your prayers be not hindered. And so for my house to be a welcome place for Jesus, talk about my body, me, where Jesus lives inside of me. My spirit said many lives in my spirit, but this is the house that carries it. And so if that to be a welcome place, I can't let my guard down and put ugly words out to my wife. That doesn't welcome Jesus because I remember what Jesus told Paul? Paul really got in trouble, said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And so if I've been ugly to my wife, Jesus said, Hey, I'm taking that personal. She's not just your wife, she's my daughter. Wow. You know, that's just a little example for us to all think about that Mary and Martha were there and said so she welcomed him into the house. So stop to think about your life. To be able to have a close relationship with Jesus, number one, do your best. Do your best every day to say no to sin and wrongdoing and say yes to righteousness. Yes to living right and yes to doing right. And then you're making your house to be a welcome place. For Jesus to want to show up. And I want to say it again. You know, Christians don't understand this. Being saved is being saved. If you've Jesus into your heart and you're living for him, you're born again. But there's different levels of power come into your life. Different levels of the presence of God manifest in your life. It's really hard to pick up on spiritual things if you're living wrong. Romans eight fourteen Says for as many as are led by the Spirit of God through the sons of God, and that verse means the sons of God means mature Christians. If you if you've got the place where you can be led by the Spirit, then you're maturing. But then verse sixteen, have quoting a lot of Bible tonight. Too bad we're not having a Bible class where I can have you turn to all those, but we'll be getting out of here. But anyway, for, verse fourteen, Romans chapter eight says if you're led by the Spirit, you're a mature Christian, and then verse sixteen says for the Spirit Himself bears witness of our spirit, that we're the children of God. Where a child of God is a Christian that hasn't matured very much yet. They're born again, they're a child of God. But verse 16 says, bears witness of our spirit. And so, all Christians, when they get born again, they know that they know that they know that they know that they're born again child of God because the spirit bears witness. But then the next level they grow past that, they're starting to be led by the spirit then they're mature, and then the Bible calls that sons of God, which means a mature one. And so that's, that's a couple of different levels there. But the way that takes place is you as a Christian. You know, Pastor Dave did a good one this morning about moral absolutes. I was in the practical Christian class. There'd be a lot of things there. But anyway, moral absolutes, it's never, ever, ever right to lie. The Bible doesn't list white lies, black lies, really in trouble for lying. It says lies. And I know something I trained myself in years ago, haven't always walked in it perfect, but I've done the best I can do, is that if I'm talking to somebody and I something comes out of my mouth that I know's not right, I do my best to correct it right then. Say, whoa, man, I, that, that, that wasn't right. I should have said that. No, that, that's, not, that's not really all the truth. That's not, that's not right. I try to change it right then because I want my spirit. Paul talked about our spirit can become seared or scarred to where we grieve the Spirit of God and don't pick up on His leadings. And so the way to avoid that, to be, stay sensitive, is as soon as you know you've done wrong, right then, correct it. Right then, make it right. Uh, stealing is never right under any condition. You know, it's just there's a lot of things that we know is not right. You know, we can, we can hit a lot of other things, but the thing is, James 4, 17 I'm quoting a lot of verse tonight, aren't I? James four seventeen says, "Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him that is sin." And so there's different levels of life that all of us are. But see, God knows. The Bible says that God knows that you knew, and God knows when you don't know, and that's why He says in First Corinthians ten thirteen that He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. God knows what level you are, and God holds the devil back from too much stuff coming your way if you're not at the level where you can combat it yet and do it. And so God wants you to be able, by the grace of God, to say no when you know something's wrong. And you know something's right, and you know Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. So when you know something's right, never say, I can't do that. But instead, Philippians four thirteen say I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. God told me to do that, and so by faith I'm going to step out and I'm going to do that. I'm never going to tell God, No, I can't do it, because I know I can't do it of my own strength. But I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. What am I talking about? I'm talking about making your life a welcome place where Jesus says, I want to go hang out with Monica. Amen. He said, Monica's life is where I want to to hang out with Monica. Monica's my friend. She's my daughter. And I want to pal around with Monica today. I just want to hang out with her because she made me welcome. And see, that's the way it is. Jesus wants us to be to where he says, you know what? I want to hang out with Frank today. I've been watching Frank. Every time Frank comes along, it's church time. Frank says, I want to get to church no matter what. I'm going to church. I want to do right. And you know what God said to Frank? He said, Frank, I like hanging out with you. You make me feel welcome here. So Jesus says, I'm the head of the church. Jesus said, I'm the Lord over the church. And so when you choose to come to my church as much as you can, you're saying, I want to hang out with you, Jesus. So, Frank, I want to hang out with you, too. And see, what are we talking about? It says that Martha welcomed Jesus in. Said, Jesus, come in. I want you. How many are saying that? Amen. You want more and more and more of Jesus. as anyway... That you've asked him into your heart to grow up spiritually and know him better, verse 39 then says she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet, sat at Jesus' feet, and had heard his word. So to enjoy the love and peace that Jesus has for you, you need to set aside time on a regular basis. See, it can't be legalistic where you make yourself do it, because this is just what i got to do, because... Pastor said, "I got to." No, it's what you want to do because you love Jesus. Set aside time on a regular basis to shut yourself off from the world, shut your cell phone off, read your Bible, and then listen to this. When you read your Bible, you're listening to the words of Jesus. Amen. And you know, you know, I uh, for years I never had devotions. I've just devoured the world, the word, all my Christian life, but the last few years. I've kind of got a routine that I do. Uh, number one thing, first thing I do every morning when I get up, I mean, of course, I tell Jesus I love him and everything. And uh, I tell my wife as much as possible that Jesus is the first one I talk to. But to tell her I love her too, and things like that. Then I got my Kenneth Hagin devotional. And his, his little devotional takes about probably one or two minutes to read the devotion and the scriptures. got things. I read my Kenneth Hagin devotion. And then normally we have breakfast and coffee. Then I go to my quiet place. And I got a journal, and I'll sit there and I'll either write my journal or I'll read the church devotion. And by the way, uh, I got the one coming out for next month that I gave it to Joshua. You'll see it Sunday. But anyway, uh, I read the church the church passage we have. I read that, and go through it, and uh, and, and see things that speak to me and listen to them. And then I start getting into my real time. I go, I go right now. I'm the Book of Genesis, so I go to the Book of Genesis where I left off at. I read it. I look at it. Well, you've never read the book of Genesis before? Who knows how many times I've read the book of Genesis. How many Bible classes I've had with the book of Genesis. How many books I've studied about the book of Genesis. How many sermons I've read about the book of Genesis. But all I am is a born-again Christian down this earth. And God, my Father, wrote the book of Genesis to start His instructions for the human race. And so, because I feel like I was given my life back, the devil tried to steal it last year, I feel like a new person. And so I've started my beginnings in the Bible and started to read the book of Genesis like I've never read it before. But, of course, when I read it now, things I've learned the last 39 years, I know a lot of insight as I read it. And it amazes me. I told Tony Cook last week, I said, Tony, I don't know uh, if I've ever heard that, but I said I I, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that Hagar married Abraham. You know who Hagar was? She's the mom of Ishmael. That's the one that was the maid of uh, Sarah. As Sarah didn't think that God's promise was going to come to pass soon enough, she wanted to help God. That's why we have all the Muslim trouble in the world today, because Sarah wanted to help God. Thanks a lot, Sarah. And so Sarah gave her handmaid to Maiden, so Abraham could sleep with Hagar to have a baby, because she didn't think God was going to come to pass. But anyway, I, I, I saw when I was reading that last week, I saw the verse there, said that said that Abraham married Hagar. Then they had the baby. I just never caught that before. It's so always been there, but I just see things I didn't see. So what I'm saying for my time with Jesus, I got different routines I do. And see, because I don't drive a truck and have to clock in early and go, I can sit there for hours to do things like that. So I got my little routines I do like that. And then I got faith books. If I read the faith book how time, I start reading, reading a book again. I write my journal, I pray, and then after I do that, then I'm ready to start my day. Because I did my first thing first. I want to set at Jesus' feet and hear His word. Well, Pastor, did you just start doing that since you moved up to Newberry Springs? I started doing that on January 29th, 1980. Amen. Amen. Been doing it ever since. And that, that's, that's how i that's how I've learned. Well, matter of fact, I'm not bragging, but I'm just testifying. All those scriptures I quote right like to you, chapter, verse, and verse, of verbatim, what the Word of God says about it, it came that way. I've sat at Jesus' feet for all these years, I've learned those verses, I've written them down, and I didn't just... Now listen, there's a difference between memorization and meditation. You know, Christians may not know that. See, you memorize something, you memorize facts, and you put them in your head. You memorize verses, you can put them in your head. But Psalms 1... Psalms one one through three, at Joshua one eight says we're to meditate in the word day and night. When you meditate in the word in the Hebrew that means ponder by speaking to yourself. It says the, the the literal Hebrew says it's a, rec- a recitation, a respeaking of God's words. And so God's words because they're alive. Hebrews 4, 12 says they're alive and full of power. When you respeak God's word in meditation. It's not just your head, but they're getting it in your heart. And then John sixteen thirteen, Jesus said he'll bring everything to remembrance he's ever said unto you, and the Word of God said, I'm talking to you, John 14, 26. And so when the Word of God's talking to you med- between for meditation, not just memorization, but meditation, by speaking it out loud in your prayer clause and get it in your heart, then when you need it, he brings it to your remembrance. And then you don't just think, Well, I think I think the Bible says somewhere. You say the Word of God says John 14, 26. The Holy Ghost is the cup He's the teacher. Brings all things to my memory. Jesus ever said unto me. Just comes out. Amen. You said. what I'm saying? And so that's how Jesus gets closer to you. You get closer to Jesus. You get in the word that way. And so Mary sat at his feet and heard his word. And so you, 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 you need to make a list in your mind and write it down, if necessary, time priorities and at the top of your list. But number one. Time with Jesus and His Word. I want to say that again. You need to read. you know, Romans 12, 2 says that you're not being conformed to the Word, but transformed by renewing of your mind. You need to get it in your thinking. My number one priority Monday is to have some time with Jesus in the Word. My number one priority on Tuesday, oh yeah, let me look at my my priority this time with Jesus and His Word. Well, what's my priority on Wednesday today? Time with Jesus in His Word. What's my, what's my priority on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Time with Jesus in His Word. If you get that in your thinking, it'll be trained. You know, there's a lot of people that jump up early in the morning, four o'clock, go work out, man. I gotta go work out before I get there. That stupid, dumb body's gonna die someday. You know, it's a temple of the Holy Ghost now, but someday it's gonna be back turned into dirt again. Your spirit's gonna live forever. And your spiritual condition will have a great deal to do with your physical condition anyway. You know, Paul said in uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7, he said the bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised the life that now is and that which is to come. And so if people can get up the energy in the morning time at 4 o'clock, three hours before they go to work to go work out in the gym for an hour, why can't Christians work out of the Holy Ghost gym for 15 minutes? What would a 15-minute workout every morning in the Word of God do for you? Amen. Not just on your knees praying, but on your knees if your Bible opened and said, Jesus, this verse that Pastor talked about Sunday night really has jumped off at me, Lord, and I want to know this more. I want to read this verse, Jesus. I want to know this verse. You said I'm talking about is spending that time with Jesus because Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. What, what happens when you hear the Word? What comes? Faith. By hearing the Word of God. That's so the make that your number one time priority. If you have to, put it on your calendar. Put a reminder on your phone, whatever you have to do. But the main thing is get it in your thinking, in your heart that every day is time of Jesus. Years ago, they had an they had an orange juice commercial on TV by what was that lady's name? It said a day with day without orange juice is like a day without sunshine. Used to have I can't remember that lady's name, but anyway, did, do you remember that verse, where Linda, you're shaking your head. You must see that commercial. It said every they had that commercial on TV. She say a day without orange juice is like a day without sunshine. And you know what? You need to have this thinking: a day without the words like a day without Jesus. Because Jesus is the living word. Amen. And so if you learn to start your day off right with Jesus to start off with, it's not, not, I said it this morning and we will say it again through this message, it's not talking about quantity, it's talking about quality. Amen. And so anyway, uh, choose to have Jesus first in your life with your word time. Listen to the words of Jesus. And then look at verse 40. But Martha was covered about much serving, and she came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, she helped me. You know what that's called? That's starting start to whine about her sister. Starting to whine and complain about what other people aren't doing, instead of focusing on what you're supposed to be doing. And so anyway, in the Amplified, that says that Martha was overoccupied and too busy. She is distracted about much serving, over-occupied, 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 and too busy, and distracted. And you know what we call that today? Life happens. Life happens. And you have a spiritual life, and you have a natural life, and you must be a wise manager of time, and learn and discipline yourself to develop good habits in both arenas that work for you. And, you know, I, I think as I look and examine life, I'll be 68 pretty soon. And as I said, I've lived 39 years for Jesus Christ. As I look at life, I think about what a blessing modern technology could be. But like everything else, Satan perverts what God intended for good. But God could turn around what Satan meant for evil, turn around for good too. On the same iPhones that we can look at, it's so much easier now. I mean, I've got, if you ever see my house, I've got bookcases, a bookcase, and Mrs. Pastor got the new house, Bob it's a real fancy bookcase that have glasses on them where you open up these, roll up these glasses, these rows and rows and rows of 39 years of books and stuff that I've accumulated, research books and study books and, man, all kinds of faith books that I've used over the years like that. But you know what? They're nice to look at now because it's too much easier when I'm getting a sermon just pull a little phone out and i punch that word in. Everything in those books comes off there. I mean, that that that's a real blessing to save the time of hunting it up. I still like to hunt a lot of stuff up because what, what happens if someday the government decides they want to pull all the Christian stuff off those iPhones out of the technological world. It sure is nice to have real books where I can go back and look them up. You think about that. The way they do things and censor things, what happens when it comes a day they want to try to snuff things out? You better have some stuff on your own anyway. But anyway whole thing is what I'm saying, as a man of God, I think one of the biggest things I've seen happen in Christians' lives since I've been a Christian is modern technology and distractions. It's such a distraction. I know I was at a missions conference about a half a dozen years ago, and uh, they weren't even talking about anything like this, but I was sitting there. And I got so convicted as I was sitting there thinking about my time with Jesus, what I've seen happen over the years that I took Facebook and Fox News off my phone about a half dozen years ago. I never put them back. Because I thought, man, what a distraction that is. And now, I look at Facebook about every, oh, once a week maybe, sometimes every couple weeks. One purpose only, I want to see what people are saying about my church. I like to see the nice things you all say. I like to see things that fellow preachers say. And I look at it like that, and I just, because it's not going to steal my time. I'm not going to be distracted with, with, with wrong things and, you know, Fox News and things like that. If I want to watch something, I'll I'll go through the long way around, hit my safari thing. I'll go up there and look at the headlines. If I see a headline jumps off that I want to probe into, then I go any further, but I'm not going to sit there and let that thing take all my day long and then say, man, I wish I could have had time for my Bible today. I don't know how pastor does it. I don't have time for my Bible. Well, do you have time for your phone? And so anyway, anyway, uh, you, you've, you've got to find time to make time to do that. And so it says she was anxious and troubled about many things. Say amen or oh me. Amen. Anxious and troubled about many things. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed? I think about uh, Psalms 119 verse 165. Another verse. Psalms 119 verse 165. Says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The law is talking about is the word of God. And so years ago the Holy Ghost gave it to me like this off that verse. When you got a high word level, you got a low offense level. Then when you got a low word level, you got a high offense level. In other words, and you know. Just keep a straight face and nobody will know that Jesus is talking to you tonight. Have you ever noticed that when you go for a season not read your Bible, you get mad about everything? You get critical about your mate. You get critical about your kids, you get critical about your job. You murmur about your church, you're mad at your next door neighbor, you're upset at the clerk at the store, you get offended at the waitress. You get all mad, but then when you've spent your time in the Word of God like you're supposed to as a Christian, and you've got a consistent, steady, faithful, everyday time with Jesus, nothing shall offend you. There's nothing anybody can say going to get you upset. You're just going to have thoughts of, they didn't really mean it. They must be having a rough time. I need to pray for them. I know. I know that I heard that wrong. I know that I received that wrong. They must be having a bad time. That's not how they really are. You know why? Cause you got a high word level and you don't get offended easy. I'm no better preacher than you are shouting. Amen, amen, amen. And so anyway, Mary, Mary, uh, Mary and Martha were living two different lives. And so you've got to guard against distractions. You've got to guard against distractions. We need to learn the difference. I was talking to Jesse about this the other day. We need to learn the difference between good and necessary. Good and necessary. Going to Walmart to buy gifts for somebody is a good thing. But if you had to have the necessary first, it's not necessarily a really good thing. And so uh, uh, men washing out their car and cleaning it up real good is a good thing. But if you're ignoring your time with Jesus, it's not a necessary thing. And you know, all the different things you can think about in life that are good things, if you're totally neglecting sitting at Jesus' feet to hear His word, that you've chosen the good over the necessary. Amen or O oh, me? And so I want you to look then at verse, 40, at verse uh, 41. He said, Martha, you're, uh, you're, you're careful to about many things, but one thing is needful. One thing is needful. He said, one thing is needful. It says, Mary hath chosen that good part. Said, Mary made a choice. Mary made a choice which shall not be taken away from her. And so one thing is needful, and so these other things may have been good things, but could that Walmart trip have waited for another day? If the car's been dirty for a week, can't it stay dirty for one more day? You know, these different things we're talking about, we're talking about things to help you have quality time with Jesus. And so... Uh, number one priority, you've got to get this in your thinking, is time with Jesus. Number one priority is time with Jesus. Is not so much quantity, but quality of time with Jesus is worthy that that gives you faith and peace. And, you know, for the sake of time, there's no need to go much longer. But the whole thing is, if you will get your routine settled in your thinking, if you as a Christian can be at least as disciplined, as these diet people, physical fitness people, and all these other people, if you can make the choice that the most important thing in my life every day is to start off with time with Jesus. And, you know, even our church thing, some days I try to split those chapters up I give you if they're long chapters, I I split them up two or three different ways because I realized that when I was a truck driver in the morning time, by the time I got up and went to work after getting to bed late last time, I didn't have a half hour to sit there and read the Bible. I had a very short time, and so I would do that. Of course, all day long, I'd listen to Christian things on the truck radio. We didn't have all these modern contraptions back then. I'd listen to tapes. If I had a tape deck, I'd listen to tapes and things like that. And on my lunchtime, if I got to stop and eat at a restaurant or something, I'd pull a little kid and take a mini book or a little mini book. I'd read that while I was eating my hamburger, drinking my Coke, whatever I was doing. I did the best I could do. But every morning when I got up, I tried to at least five minutes, maybe ten minutes, of something where I got away from everything else and got my little space at home and I would read my Bible, at least five or ten minutes at the minimum, something and talk to Jesus and then things during the day. But the whole thing what I'm telling you is this. Jesus knows who you are. He knows how much time you have. He knows what your schedule is. And I'll guarantee you, if you tell Jesus in the morning time, Jesus, I'm so grateful for this time I got with you. Lord, I know there's not much time The Lord it's our time. And it might be ten minutes. But in that ten minutes, you get more blessing than all your life than somebody else has legalistically said, I'm going to brag to everybody I read through the Bible this year. And then they read 14 chapters that day just to check a calendar, and they got nothing except they think Brownie points of Jesus. But you spent your time with Jesus, and Jesus got your heart. And you got his heart. And you went out that day and the first crisis that hit, or the first grouch you met, instead of retaliating, you said, Oh, how I love Jesus. And you just begin to sing Him, praise Him, forgive people, bless people, etc. And that's how you get closer to Jesus. You've got to make that choice. And Jesus Himself said, Mary hath chosen the one thing that was needful. Said she made a choice. And so, time with Jesus is simply a choice. Ladies and men that love their hair like I do, maybe you don't need to spend quite as much time in the mirror if you don't have the time. And a little less time with some of the outward and spend more time on the inward. And then people will see the joy and the glow from the inward showing the outward anyway. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope that helps somebody. Just do your best to make sure that you got at the top of your list One thing is needful, not be stolen from me. Time with Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.